This podcast has bad words. <laughs> well, hello, Simpletons. What's up, y'all? Uh, we, we have Courtney Carver here. She has a new book out. It's called Project 333. And Courtney, uh, we you should start this bit out by, uh, well, we have a segment called More About Less where we read something. And instead of reading something this week, I wanted to, um, well, we have a question from Francis in Louisville. We'll, we'll listen to that in a second. But I wanted, instead of reading an article today or an excerpt from an article, I have an email because Ryan and I have been going back and forth with, um, well, the whole team really. We've been talking about maybe uh, finding a, a creative way. We want to try to shed some light on sustainability within fashion. I mean, Ryan and I certainly aren't experts on, on this at all, but we're trying to figure out exactly how we can. I don't know, uh, create awareness, but do so in a, a very creative way. So we've talked about maybe doing a, a t-shirt uh, where 100% of the profits go to our, our charity. Ryan and I aren't trying to make any money from this. But uh, where we, in order to buy the t-shirt, you have to sign a contract that says you're going to get rid of, of 10 pieces of clothing. And so it's like the one in 10 out rule that we have. And, and then in addition to that, like if you ever don't want the shirt, we'll buy it back from you for some you know cost. And logistically, I would have no idea how this would work. It seems like it'd be a very fun project, but there's also a piece of me that realizes that maybe we don't need another, uh, any other t-shirts out there being made, right? Like there's already enough shirt companies. <laughs> and even if we do it responsibly, yeah. or, or you everything know, we do is already steeped in irony. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it would just be piling more on, <laughs> right? Well, it, but at the same time, it's part of my part of my ego is saying, well, like we can't do that. But then it's like, well, what if people actually did get value from a "Love People Use Things" T-shirt, right? Mm-hmm. Who am I to deprive someone of that as well? But then at the same time, who am I to add to the the noise? And so I was hoping to sort of work this out. In public, and, and since Courtney is here today, I thought we could at least discuss this. This email I have is, is from uh, Jessica. She runs all of our, our social media. She is wonderful, but she and I have been going back and forth trying to find a, a sustainable uh, T-shirt company where we could potentially make some of these T-shirts uh, with uh, like a Less Is Now logo on it or a, a Love People Use Things logo on it. And she found this company here in Los Angeles, actually, called uh, DTLA Print. And they are a high-end wholesale business. Uh, But they sort of do these boutique-style screen printing t-shirts here in Los Angeles. So there's also something about local fashion. Now, Courtney, do you talk about sustainability at all? And uh, Because I'm sure you get some questions about this. A bit. But when you're ready, I'm going to solve all your problems on this T-shirt idea. <laughs> oh, even, even better. So oh. I, I thought that's what we were going to do. <laughs> let's do it. Actually, I would love to couple this with uh, a question we have from Francis in Louisville. So let's listen to that, Sean, <laughs> and then we'll tie it all together, and, and Courtney will put a bow on top of it. I'm here to listen. I am a freshman student pursuing a major in fashion design, and I recently listened to your podcast, and I guess my goal would be to create a brand but how do I create a brand that fights consumerism but also um, pulls people in because that's just like part of business? So, Courtney, it seems to me that, that Francis here is 
facing a similar dilemma to uh, uh, that Ryan and I are facing, right? Where it's like, although I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have phrased it like, like she did, but ultimately, you know, it's uh, she's a, a a budding fashion designer, which Ryan and I aren't. But we maybe wanted- you aren't. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're gonna be. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it, part of me. It, here's here's. It, let's say Ryan and I weren't gonna do this whole this whole thing w- with with the shirt, and there's a very good chance we won't. But if I were to just answer Francis's question, I would say I don't know that you can. You can. Okay. I think you can. And I have given this some thought because I almost created a kind of a shopping bag to give away on the Project 333 book tour. I decided not to, but since I'm not going to use this great idea, I'm going to give it to you for your (laughs) T-shirts. And with Frances and her uh, kind of dilemma about creating new things and, you know, bringing people in for that, I'd recommend connecting for all of these ideas with a woman named Shannon Lohr. And you can find her at factory45.com. And I believe she's at or sorry, factory45.co, factory45.co. And she helps people do this very thing, like create sustainable fashion and bring your idea to launch, like learn Mm -hmm. how to manufacture, learn how to market, and really bring your idea to life in a really low impact way. So she's kind of my go-to expert because I didn't start this challenge for eco reasons, but it's become definitely a byproduct of doing that. So swinging back to the shirts, Uh here's what you could do. You could create the t-shirts from discarded t-shirts, right? Mm. I don't know how you would do this, but you create them from discarded t-shirts and then you can steal the thing that I was going to put it on my bag, which is nothing new here. Oh, that's oh great. Yeah. yeah. There's some smiles going on. Yeah. So I think, you know, in some way, this could be a thing. And I liked the nothing new here on the bag because then when you're going out shopping, you're not putting anything new in the bag. So hopefully you're using it for your groceries or to bring things out of your house versus yeah. into your house. I love that, especially as a, yeah, as a bag idea, like it saying nothing new. Yeah, that's wow, that's great on many levels. And there's been a lot of controversy around the uh, Marie Kondo. She launched her own sort of shop, uh, the Marie Kondo shop. Well, yeah, Marie Kondo is an organizer. Right. She, like she is not a get rid of your stuff. I mean, she talks about getting rid of your stuff. Sure. But she encourages you to be organized with your things. Right. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense for her to come out with a store that's full of all these organization products. But in the same token, you know, everything she does is kind of steeped in irony. So she's telling you to organize your things by getting more things, which, yeah, it does seem a little ironic. Right. And and I mean, yes, anything that we, we do here is going to have a twinge of irony to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, even... Uh, even if we were to you know, do the used shirts that, that were, you know, screen printed locally and sustainably, like no matter what you do. And, and so you can't you can't create something uh, to try to appease critics. You're going to lose that every single time. Oh, sure. And so if I were to go back to, to Francis here and Courtney, maybe maybe you you can help out with this. She she's asking like how do I create a fashion brand that bucks consumerism in a way now you've you've answered a, a piece of that ultimately what I'm going to say is if you were solving some sort of problem rather than producing a product mm-hmm. 
you're going to be in a much better uh, position mm-hmm. to to align your business with your values. Because right now, Francis seems to have these conflicting values, right? right? And they're, they're sort of butting up against each other where it's like, I, I want to be sustainable, but I also want to be fa- in, into fashion. And by the way, fashion is probably the least sustainable thing that we can do. And so like she, she's conflicted, but you're saying nah, there is a, there's a confluence here. I mean, the bottom line is we are all wearing clothes when we leave the house, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Unless we want to get arrested. Correct. So <laughs> perhaps what she's creating is more sustainable than some of the other options. Right. Mm-hmm. Or as you said, solves another problem. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we, we have uh, some more questions to, to dive into. Before we do that, I have a few rants. I just, we, I figure <laughs> we have some time to go over some rants here. So um, I've gone to the doctor a few times the last few weeks and our healthcare system is so oh, no. screwed up dude uh, <laughs> this is yeah this is like uh, this is the this has been the issue for how many decades right i mean it's like the rich people have access to healthcare mm-hmm. uh yeah I, I don't know man this is it's funny because like this is what like okay okay so last election presidential election i voted for uh climate uh, uh-huh. This presidential election, I think I'm going to vote for healthcare because uh-huh. uh, w- what I like, what I do like seeing is this that, part's just for our Patreon yeah. audience, by the way, so you don't have to freak out. We, yeah, like we're, yeah, I mean, it's, and, 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 <laughs> I and, can't and I'm, wait. I'm, I'm not like, even <laughs> let's go. I'm not even endorsing like a candidate right here, but I, you know, I will say like I, I don't know where the right regulation is, uh-huh. but something has to be regulated. I am a big fan of capitalism. I really like capitalism, mm-hmm. but capitalism. Uh, or, or maybe in the U.S. you could call it crony capitalism right. has led to this horrible state of healthcare. Um, but but uh, you know Bernie talks about making privatized healthcare illegal. The radical side of me is like, yeah, let's do that. Uh, Buddha Judge talks about spending how many trillions of dollars to fix the healthcare system. One point five. Yeah, one point five trillion to fix the healthcare system. Yeah, maybe that'll work. Um, either way, it's going to take some work. But yeah, dude, I totally agree. Like we are in. We're in one heck of a mess right now with healthcare. And I've been experiencing it personally recently, and and I'm I'm bringing this up because, uh, well, because I'm solipsistic, and once it affects me, I figure I should talk about it. <laughs> no, I, I I I just have specific examples now, right? Where uh, I went to the dermatologist last week is is one example to get a precancerous mole removed. I've got five stitches in my side right now. I actually needed to get two removed, but insurance will only cover one per visit and so now i have to go back another time to get the other one removed and restitched Dude, we have good that. insurance too well and well i was talking to our insurance agent and i'm like what the hell does our insurance cover because yeah. it does and so it doesn't cover my my crohn's medication right it's fifteen hundred dollars a month mm. and and you, you start to wonder like okay i'm I'm spending money every single month on insurance and it's literally covering nothing that I'm getting done. Yeah. What the hell is the point of it? Courtney, I have no idea how this applies to anything <laughs> What are your thoughts on about. our healthcare system? But I'm ranting. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't really tie into our conversation before, but I've experienced the same thing with you know having MS since 2006. I do a really expensive treatment every 35, 36 days. I think without insurance, it would be close to $10,000 a month. Mm. It's an infusion. I'm in the neurologist's office for three hours. And getting to the point where I could even get this approved was so 
crazy and stressful. Mm. And I always thought about, because for me at that point, I had begun to simplify my life. I had, you know, begin to advocate for my own health care. And I felt able to like really stand up for myself with these insurance companies because they wouldn't cover it, wouldn't cover it. And then finally we'd get to a place where, oh yeah, if we go by the rules of what you're supposed to cover, mm. they would cover a small portion of it. Mm. And I think about the people who are newly diagnosed with MS or another condition that aren't in that frame of mind, that mm. are already so completely overwhelmed, which is contributing to the way that they feel physically, they can't stand up for themselves. They don't right. know how. They don't even know they're allowed to, to stand up to their doctors, to stand up to insurance companies. So that they make it so freaking hard mm -hmm. to navigate and know what they cover. I mean, they can give you a book of benefits mm -hmm. and you still have no idea what they actually cover. Right. Yeah. I was listening to this uh, and I've recommended this before. There's a Science Versus podcast and they just did one not too long ago on healthcare. And they took studies from the UK, they took studies from the United States, and there are benefits to socialized healthcare, healthcare that they uh, highlighted, uh, you know, from the UK, but there's also some, you know, long wait times, you know, there are other things that are negative consequences of the socialized healthcare. There's a really extreme system in the UK too. Yeah. It, it, it's government run healthcare. It's different. It's different from say like Canada, which is a government plan, but the, yeah. the, the medicine's still privatized. So really what I got out of this podcast, and it's funny cause like I actually wanted to listen to it one or two more times so I could really understand every single point that they were making. But the one point that really stuck with me is that our the United States government, they should be using their weight, and they do with uh, Medicare and Medicaid, uh, but they should be using their weight more to help these prices of treatments and, and drugs uh, to come down. But right now, because of, I, I think of, you know, this, again, this like crony capitalism we have going on, like we appease mm -hmm. corporations, we appease uh, insurance providers, we don't look out for the, the person, we look out for the corporation. And that is what, uh, something has to start changing from that aspect. Yeah, I feel like I'm torn on this though. Uh, and Me too. Here's why. So uh, the the medication I'm taking right now is for, it's a Crohn's medication. I don't know whether or not I actually have Crohn's. I have, we, we recently found 53 ulcers in my small intestine. Um, and, and so I had to swallow like this cam pill, it's a camera pill, which is crazy expensive by itself, by the way, not covered by insurance, not, but also, uh, I did a colonoscopy earlier uh, last year and I get the bill for it. Now, thankfully I had insurance didn't cover anything, but they, because I'm insured, it lowered the cost, which is you, you start to realize the nonsense that's going that's on That's an here. example of how crazy it is. Like, you can't right. even go get a procedure. Uh -huh. Like, you can't ask the doctor or a nurse there, how much is this going to be? They're going to be the a, biggest problem. Yeah. And what they're going to, really what they're saying is, is because uh, what they'll tell you, like, when I went and got my CT scan when I broke my back, I was like, can we please do an x-ray? Because I know CT scans are expensive. How much is this going to cost? And be like, oh, I wouldn't be able to tell you that. But really what they're saying is, is we're going to charge you as much as we freaking can. That's how much we're going to charge you. And it's predatory in your case because... I was in the emergency, emergency situation. Room, I got to right? reduce. Like I, after writing a letter, like just going up the chain, and eventually the CEO uh, was very understanding and like totally like reduced my bill by half. But so but, the pills that I'm taking right now for these these ulcers, it's called Pentassa, and there it's it's there's no generic alternative to it, right? And so it's fifteen hundred dollars a month, and part of me is like, well, that's crazy. I I, I can hardly afford fifteen hundred dollars a month every single month, right? Mm -hmm. I have to reprioritize every. But okay. I, thankfully, I am in a position where I, I can find the money to, to do that, right? 
there's a lot of people who can't do that, right? They can't find the money at all. However, the argument against that would be, well, if if you the the research and development that goes into creating a drug like that is required, uh, you need there there needs to be some sort of monetary reward for that, or you're going to decentive you're going to de-incentivize people from creating drugs like that. Now there are countries like Canada who can get the same medication way cheaper because. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have to deal with the same sort of patent restrictions, right? Yeah. So I don't know what the answer Let is. Let me chime in here. I don't know if this applies in your case, and I'm not promoting pharmaceuticals here. I know people have all kinds of feelings about that. Yeah. I think it's great for, in my case, to have pharmaceuticals and a dramatic change in diet and lifestyle. For sure. But a lot of what a lot of people don't know is that there are a lot of pharmaceutical companies who will help you pay for your drugs. Can you not afford it? or even if you can afford it. So mm. in my case, for instance, my pharmaceutical company covers a large percentage of the drug mm-hmm. prior to insurance. So always, always, always ask your doctor's office to put you in touch with the pharmaceutical company. Mm. Ask them if they have kind a kind of patient support plan. Mm-hmm. They almost always have some kind of support, mm-hmm. and a lot of them have financial support, but that's not something anyone's publicizing. Interesting. Yeah, right. yeah we're actually doing this right now. My, my doctor just filled out a form for me this week to try to get the, the, the cost reduced for the, this drug in particular, and I do agree with you. The problem with the pharmaceutical system is we turn to that as a first resort. Mm-hmm. For me, this is 18 or 15 months in mm-hmm. is a is a last resort, and it's not meant to be a long-term solution for me. It's supposed to reduce the inflammation so that those, those ulcers can heal, mm-hmm. coupled with a pristine diet and, and some other factors as well, uh, but, but ultimately it is it is the last resort. I'm not just trying to. Well, I'm just going to pop this pill for the rest of my life. Yeah. It it is a it is a short term solution to help to help with healing, and I think ultimately that's the that's what we're trying to accomplish here. The drug you're taking is it? Are you getting it from the United States? Yes. Because there are there are some been regu- there have been some regulations lifted over the last couple of years because it used to be illegal to go to other countries mm-hmm. and get pharmaceuticals. Now now it's legal. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if you've looked into this, man, but that's an idea too, is that you could yeah. just call around, like literally just Google help buying pharmaceuticals from other countries. And there are, my my grandmother, uh, that's how we found her some cheaper prescriptions. Like there's literally a company mm-hmm. that helps you aggregate yeah. uh, medications from different countries at a much, much lower cost. Yeah. It's worth, worth considering. Yeah, for sure. So um, speaking of health, Ryan. Yes. Are you going to China still? <laughs> I mean, if I was supposed to go today, I don't think I'm allowed to. <laughs> uh, no, so uh, to catch you up, Mariah and I, we have a, we have a trip. He's so carefree. like He's like, coronavirus? I'll just bring a box of lines. Coronavirus? I hardly know her. <laughs> <laughs> no, so Mariah and I have this trip planned to China and Japan in March. And uh, yes, I am certainly like glued to updates on the coronavirus because yeah, if they don't get something figured out, we're gonna have to like skip China and just go straight to Japan, and hopefully it doesn't spread to Japan because then we'll already spread to Japan. Well, it's just already spread to the United States. I mean, dude. I mean, so it's here. I barely want to go back to LAX tomorrow. (laughs) I was at LAX last night, uh, picking Bex up from the airport, and there was everybody's wearing a mask. mask. I was the only one without a mask the other day. Yeah. And I was like, wait, is this 
but if everyone else has masks on, I should be okay, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> no, so, uh, yeah, to answer your question, Melbourne, if I had to leave today, no, I wouldn't go. But, you know, I've heard everything from... We're just what me and Mariah and Josh Wagner, who we have this trip planned with, uh, we're going to talk on February 21st. And we are going to because right now all the airlines are offering to change your flights for free until the end of February if you're going to China. So um, there is like one particular flight from like Shanghai to Osaka. I'll probably lose, you know, 500 bucks for those tickets. But, you know, 500 bucks is a small cost for your <laughs> for your overall health uh-huh. and not getting the coronavirus. But uh, so, yeah, we're going to reevaluate on February 21st. But I have heard everything from, you know, this 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 is a government conspiracy and it was released by the Chinese government <laughs> to bleep that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm being sarcastic, I dude. Know. Yeah. No, no. Like I've heard everything from that to um, uh, it's not nearly as bad as what they're saying. The truth is somewhere in the middle. Right. So as time develops, I, I think, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, it could. Yeah. I mean, it could. It could be taken care of by February 21st. Who knows? Maybe not. Plausibly not. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I'm i not committing to going or not going right now. Courtney. I'm not going with yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. Uh, if China says currently there's 56 million people quarantined, 56 million people quarantined, mm-hmm. China doesn't exactly have... Uh, the the best track record for being uh, forthright and upfront uh, 56 might be might might be f- yeah, 560 it's million though man yeah i mean that's it's it's that, it, okay, that is okay here's the thing they're admitting 56 million okay that, that's so you, what so you're leaning towards the government conspiracy side then no <laughs> um uh, well, what I'm saying is that no, I understand. They are very I understand. upfront about. Their- I understand, and I have seen again. I've seen it all over the place. So uh, we certainly don't know 100% the facts. And for me to sit here and speculate what I'm going to do on March 19th, when you know that's about two months away from you know the date we're recording this episode. Uh, yeah, it would be it would be you know conjecture, and I'm I'm not going to do that to myself right now. Maybe on February 21st. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I def- uh, if I do go, I definitely won't eat bats or mice. <laughs> dude, it's that's how it happened. Yeah, you know that. Well, or snakes too, right? Yeah, dude. Like you can go to this market and get all these like random exotic meats, but it's really just like rats or uh, yeah, rats, bats, and snakes, m- snakes. Yeah, it's crazy. Let's talk talk some more about clothes here. I know. Where did we? What happened? I don't and know. And why didn't we cover dental insurance? This is our. This <laughs> is. Oh our, gosh. Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah. It, well, you know what's funny is how dental insurance they, they they say it's not necessary and that's why they don't. But like your teeth are directly related to your overall health, and if you have bad teeth, like you're probably gonna have overall bad health yeah that blows my mind too like dental is considered like this luxury your teeth are a luxury let's bring all the insurance and travel back together with a quick story about (laughs) when my husband mark and i were in mexico and he had to have a root canal on our trip in mexico in mexico in like an open air office like he i didn't go with him no this is awesome it was he was like he didn't obviously didn't want to go he wanted to wait until we got back but he just decided he had to go. And so he went to this village or area. I don't even know where. It wasn't where we were staying. And had this root canal done, survived, came back. And he was like, it was only like $300 US dollars. And when he got home, he had it checked out by his dentist. They did a great job. 
He never got an infection. Everything was amazing. And it was a fraction of a cost, even with insurance, of what he would have paid here. Dude, I was in in Japan and had an eye infection. And I went to the ER and uh, I saw a doctor. They're like, this is how much it's going to cost to see a doctor. Before you see the doctor, we want to let you know it's going to cost you this much. 40 bucks. That was, and, and they're like, sorry, like your insurance, you know, you don't have travel insurance. We're going to have to charge you full cost. It's going to be 40 US dollars. I'm like, yeah, please. So then I go see the doctor and the doctor's like, I need to refer you to an eye specialist. We're going to send you to the, uh, an ophthalmologist, uh, which I had no idea there was even, I thought it was, I, I was like, you mean ophthalmologist? And Mariah's <laughs> like, no, he's saying ophthalmologist. Anyway, so I go to this ophthalmologist and again, I go to the, go to the uh, uh, doctor's office. They're like, hey, just so you know. You don't have insurance. We got to charge you full cost for this appointment. It's going to be $65 and you have to pay it up front. I'm like, yes, please. Like I have an eye infection. An ophthalmologist in the United States is 350 bucks. That's, that's as little. I, Mariah has seen it before where uh, a customer goes in just, or a patient goes in just to get an exam and it's a $500 charge with an ophthalmologist because they're like a special, an eye specialist. But that is to your point, like when you go international, you can get things done a lot cheaper. I know and I've heard of people who, when they have dental issues, they will go to Mexico and they'll see the best doctor in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's a fraction of the cost. Well, and, and part of that, I think one of the biggest problems is exactly what you're talking about. There is no marquee with pricing. And so yeah. when you're in Japan or Mexico or somewhere else where or by the way, anywhere else in America, you go to Chipotle, they're not like, well, I'm not sure. We'll make the burrito for you, and then we'll send right, you a bill next right. week. Right, yeah. First, we'll talk to your insurance provider. <laughs> what? Guac <Yeah>. is extra. <laughs> right. $300 for guac? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's get back into uh, talking about wardrobe. Uh, Project 333. What is the difference between... We had a few questions about this from folks like uh, Meredith asked. What's the difference between a capsule wardrobe and Project 333? Well, Project 333 is an experiment where you try this for three months. You kind of sample a capsule wardrobe and see if it works for you. Yeah, and so... so a capsule wardrobe for those who are uninformed. This this term started, I think, in the seventies in England, I believe. Yeah, I think so. I think it was in England, and then uh, Donna Karen brought it over here. I think in the nineties, and and the the idea of a capsule wardrobe is that you have sort of a basic palette, and then you have seasonal items and sort of accessories that that yeah, I don't know, add some personal flair and timeless essentials yeah mm. yeah and so uh, let's talk a bit about uh, the sort of timeless cool is what I would call it uh, versus um, well uh, that would cool. be such a good brand name timeless, timeless cool. yeah no or timeless Just timeless yeah. yeah so so um, you can put that on your t-shirt right <laughs> <laughs> or we could give that to uh who, was it Chloe who who do we Listen to at the beginning, they were looking to make a... Uh, Francis. Francis, yeah, looking to make a clothing brand that fights consumerism. Yeah, make a timeless clothing line like that. Yeah, yeah, things that are going to last uh, a long time or even a lifetime, something that is is timeless. When I think of, of sort of timeless cool, uh, I think of... Uh, of past eras that would still work today. People like, uh, and I wrote a few folks down here, like James Dean or Marlon Brando or Steve McQueen, uh, Joan Didion, who is one of my favorite authors, but like she sort of embodies the, like whatever she, you, you, if you Google image search Joan Didion, you, you see pictures of her. You're like, oh yeah, like that could be today. That could be 
the 60s or it could be any time in between and it would still work right now there's mm-hmm. a, a timeless aspect with what she is wearing uh jfk is another one i mean he was wearing a suit every day in fact i think i'd probably say yeah. jfk's wife Jackie uh, Kennedy, oh, yeah. Jackie Kennedy w- w- would also be. Uh, I mean, maybe some of the hats wouldn't work as well today, but but not on you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it, uh, when it, when I think of of my mom, for example, like she had this sort of timeless cool. Now hers was sort of a thrift shop cool, and and I think it was very Jackie Kennedy esque or Jackie Kennedy inspired, where. Um, it almost seemed like all of these people, in a way, had a, a type of, of capsule wardrobe, sort of, right? Um, another one who stands out is Mae Musk. Do you, do you two know who Mae Musk is? Mm-mm. Elon Musk's mother. If mm. you do a Google image su- search for Elon Musk's mother, she is, I mean, today, you know, she's in her, I think she's probably in her 70s. Um, this amazing gray hair, very stylish outfits. But her outfits that work perfectly today would have also worked when she was 20 years old. Mm. And there is a timelessness to that that uh, you don't get with with trendy. Now, there are still some people who do trendy well, but it will fade. What is cool today will be uncool tomorrow we uh, but then it'll come back and circle back to being cool sometimes 10 years yeah Uh, not not always right no not always. we talked earlier about mc hammer vanilla ice or in sync and you look at pictures of them now and you're like well that was cool yeah and and, no i have seen the parachute pants came back for a second like early 2010s maybe yeah not not the same no you're right you're right it didn't like sweep the nation like that but but now you have people like Billie eilish who she is like the epitome of of trendy cool right now and so many young women look up to her and i actually applaud what she's doing with she's wearing oversized clothes because she's like uh she doesn't want to uh, well first off she's very young so you don't want to uh sexualize a young woman's body like that but also she is trying to show like this isn't the thing that is most important about me it's not how i look in uh, in how my body looks it's it's the content of my music sort of thing yeah i love her i know we're allowed to love people right and i can just say that i really i i really love her and her work yeah I think that what what she's doing, while it's it is it's super trendy and it will not be cool a few years from now, uh, there are examples of uh, of that. Now the problem is when we see someone like uh, Billie Eilish, or we see one of my favorite current artists is is a guy named Saint John, and I mean he is the epitome of of cool right now. Uh, both of those people are, and. But I can tell you five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, especially, we're going to look back at them the same way we look back at MC Hammer, where mm-hmm. you're like, oh, wow, I can't believe we were into wearing that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and the problem, I think, is where we try to project on, the, we, we try to, to take their cool, their essence, and say, well, that must come from their clothes. So I'm going to put on the same clothes as St. John, and all of a sudden, I mean, 
actually, Ryan, if you did this, I would think you were crazy. Like yeah. St. John, he could. But I am a little crazy. So. He could come in here wearing leather pants and no shirt, and you'd be like, "Oh, that's St. John. He's a, <laughs> he's a rock star, basically." Now, if Ryan came in here with leather pants, no shirt, I'd call the police. This makes me think about how I was telling Josh I wanted to grow my hair out like Jason uh, Momoa, like gr- <laughs> like really grow it long. And so now he just sends me Photoshop pictures of my head on Jason Momoa's body. <laughs> So, so, Courtney, what do you think about this? I mean, there are all these folks who are are trendy, but I think we could we could adopt their same style, but we're not going to be the same person. I mean, I think at, for me, at least, after doing this challenge, and now it's become a lifestyle for me. I mean, ten years later, I really still do dress with thirty three items or less every three months. And earlier, we were talking about how much focus and time it takes to work on your wardrobe. And what I like about this is that. I only work on it once every quarter, and then I don't think about it for those entire three months. Like I put it together and then don't have to think about it. In the same respect, I don't really give a lot of thought to what other people are wearing anymore just because my I've just shifted in the way that I think about things. So as you were talking about these artists and their clothes, I never really gave a lot of thought to their clothes. I really think about their work mm-hmm. and how that impacts my life and mm. what it feels like when they're in my ears. So yeah. it, it's just such a much more joyful way to see the world, not through what people are wearing, but how are they contributing to the world and to your life and vice versa. That's a much yeah. deeper and healthier way to look at it too, because you're getting beyond, literally getting beyond the surface because I absolutely adore St. John's music or, um, I have a list of, of people who right now are like non-trendy people who are really cool, but they don't, they are somewhat timeless. And also their outfits aren't what make them cool. And I think that's where we, we almost get confused there. It's like, just because you're, you're, you're dressing in a particular way doesn't make you that person, right? So uh, John Mayer, for a moment, I've always thought, and Jordan's going to get mad at me when I say this, I think John Mayer has terrible fashion sense, although GQ certainly disagrees with me. <laughs> I was doing research for this episode before we, uh, over the last week or so, and I was, but there was this moment where John Mayer, he moved to Montana, and he was just sort of, he was timeless cool for like a two year period, right? Like yeah. the, the Shadow Days video where he's he's wearing jeans and like a jean jacket and-, and uh, Wait, jeans on jeans? Like yeah. jean jacket and Dude, jeans? Dude, denim on denim. I know, yeah. I, I wish I could pull denim on denim off. Yeah, but, it, and that's the thing. Like he, he pulled it off really well and, yeah. and but it, he pulls off what he's doing now well also, but he does, it, what he's doing now is sort of, a trendy version of that. Um, there are other people. Uh, Noah Gunderson, who is mm-hmm. going to be our special podcast guest in Seattle. He is uh, sort of timeless cool, right? Yeah, yeah. It, but it's who he is as a person. I think Courtney brings up a really good point here. There there are these, these people who um, they embody a sense of integrity, a sense of... Um, confidence a sense of compassion a, a a sense of wonderment and that's what's cool about them the outfit might accent that in a way but you can't just put on the but king's clothes way, and expect to be the king and be them that we think right it's right. the one way we can because i can't sing like him so maybe i can dress like him and i'll mm. be a little bit closer yeah. it's sort of it, 
it makes me think about the way we compliment each other. Like we want to connect with someone and say something nice. And so we say, oh, I love your shirt or those are great shoes. But why don't we compliment them? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, Joe Biden does that. He just smells people's hair. That's my God. What? It's <laughs> <laughs> a compliment in a way. <laughs> I do that to Ryan now. I'll just walk up behind him and sniff his hair. <laughs> I'm like, Joe. Oh, Josh. <laughs> no, but you're right, Courtney. It's like, why? Yeah. Why do we? Well, another thing we do is we're like, oh, you know, you look just like, and then we'll name a movie star. Or yeah, or we'll say, that's so flattering on you. I don't know if this yeah. happens to men, but oh. to women. And all that means is, you look really skinny today or something like that. Like, that's mm. so flattering means you look smaller than you are, yeah. which is bullshit, quite frankly. Are yeah. we allowed yeah. to swear on this part? <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, I don't know. It could I mean, be. I, I, I think guess if you're be. dealing with a passive aggressive person, but I think it's just very common speak. Yeah. Like, oh, you should get that that because it's very flattering. Mm. Or I really like this because it's very flattering. And all that means is it makes me look skinny. Yeah. Wow. Mm. I didn't think about, about it that way, but that is that is so true. Um, and, and I think what we're trying to project onto the world has very little to do with our outfits. So any of those people I, I mentioned, oh, in fact, uh, oh, here's another thing. What I've, I've noticed, like people who are, are cool because they have that wonderment, that confidence, all those things we, we just talked about. There's this gal, I think I'm, next week I'm going to recommend, it's my favorite song of the year so far. This gal just put out an album. Her name's 070 Shake. Are you familiar with her? Mm-mm. You? No? Okay, so she she just put out... I knew Garanimals. <laughs> <laughs> she, she just... Uh, it's almost like... It, it's, a, it's, a, it's pop music, but she's like formerly a, a hip-hop artist. She has this video for... Uh, her latest single called Guilty Conscious. And we'll put a link to it in the show notes because in the video, these the these young 20-somethings, they sort of embody cool, but they're not trendy at all. They look like they're dressed from the outsiders in, in the 1960s or something, <laughs> right? Um, however, there I also noticed several of them are smoking cigarettes in the video. And, and here's the thing. Sometimes that which is cool might kill you. And I think we have to think like maybe if we're just trying to be cool, we're doing the thing to be cool. You have to realize that that thing uh, may actually be bad for your health. And I mean, literally in the sense of, of, yes, smoking might look cool in some video or whatever. But really, when you think about it, it's like, oh, that's going to kill me. And then maybe in a different way, metaphysically, I'm going to get... Uh, emotionally, spiritually, I'm going to get killed if I could keep on consuming this this nonsense that isn't bringing me joy or, or, or fulfillment. we got some questions here I'd like to dive into. Uh, we've got a voicemail from Jim in Illinois. Uh, where do you, Joshua and Ryan, uh, tend to buy your clothes from? I don't, I don't do a lot of shopping, and I don't shop for clothes that much, so I would like to get some ideas for where to shop for clothes and where to buy minimal amounts of clothes. Maybe like, what are the essentials that I should buy for clothes, and how much would you suggest to buy? Oh yeah, what are the essentials? Man? Yeah, what are the essentials? Yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, I'm often asked, "What should I buy for my closet?" And or, what are your or where brands? do I buy my clothes? Mm. Or what are my favorite brands? And it really is the one question. It might be the only question that I never answer uh-huh. because that question got me into so much trouble before this because I always used to ask people the same thing and then they would tell me and I'd run out and get it Mm. and then I'd be pissed off at them because it didn't work on my body or in my lifestyle like I saw it doing for them. Uh Mm -hmm. So I try not to make recommendations on 
exactly what you should wear or own in your closet that you should really figure it out for yourself. But I can say for this challenge, I usually have a breakdown of about like four like pants and skirts combined. So four bottoms and then um, maybe six or seven accessories. So sunglasses, a tote bag, a purse, a hat, gloves in the winter. I know you don't need that here, but I need right. it in Salt Lake City. Indeed. And maybe I'll have two pieces of jewelry and the rest are shirts, coats, things like that. So maybe all in all, I have 17 or 18 actual pieces of clothing. The rest is the other crap. Mm -hmm. uh, but what works for me is certainly not going to work for His name Jim. is Jim. Yeah. Yeah. What works for me certainly isn't going to work for Jim. Right. So he has to work with what he has right now and then decide what he wants and needs in his wardrobe and maybe you guys can give more specifics no i like that you don't answer that question uh i tend to not like i'll talk about what i wear like i was doing on the the, the minimal episode um but there aren't brands that i would recommend everyone go and, and use because like you said like the an american apparel shirt looks great on josh it may not look good on me i mean the only way you can get guaranteed good looking clothes is go get tailored clothes so find a local <laughs> tailor and yeah it costs a lot of money to get tailored clothes but they usually use good materials mm -hmm. uh you'd be supporting your local economy um but i mean you know if, if, if i was to give jim a recommendation it might be something like that again that gets more pricey, but you're going to get better quality and you are going to have things that, that fit you perfect. Jim, I'm going to tell you to go back and listen to episode 56 of our podcast. We did an entire episode about clothing and we added the caveat that Courtney ha has here is like, hey, what works for me may not work for you. And here are the, some of the brands that work for me. You know, the, the pants I wear from Mission Workshop, they're made here in the United States. American Apparel also made in the United States. The boots I wear are from Timberland. The socks I wear from Bonobos. But these may not work for, for you. And so I'm not recommending them for you. I'm recommending them for me. And also saying those things, they might not work. Um, are there any, any things that you still struggle with clothing-wise? No, but only because I really don't care. Okay. I just don't care enough to make it a struggle. Like I have other struggles in life, certainly. Uh -huh. But when it comes to clothes, I wear what I have. And when it's not working because it's worn out or mm. something's changed with me, then I will change the the clothing item that's yeah. that's what i love about getting older i find is the older i get the less i care about what people think about me it's like i care about what i think about me but that's pretty much it oh that's not true the people that i love and care about i do care to an extent what they think about me but like other than that um in fact sometimes i go to josh and ask him for fashion advice because he's he's my fashionista friend <laughs> but but in all in all seriousness like like i have had um i don't know people come up to me and they'll say something like I don't know. Like I've was had lemons in my hand and someone came up to me with like some very minimalist amount of lemons there. And I just look at them I'm like funny joke, but in my head I'm like I freaking wish I cared what you thought about me. Yeah. I wish I get I wish I had a I'm not going to say it. But I if wish you're getting I, that upset then clearly you do care. Well, mm. I, I I get up I get upset because uh people think that you care. That that or? I care. So it's like it's when someone uh and that's probably my biggest pet peeve is when someone uh, assumes that I'm something else like that is where I'm like yeah I mean like yeah there's a visceral reaction but ultimately look though I go home and I put my head on my pillow and I go to sleep and that comment that someone made to me who I don't know who they are 
is is in one ear and out the other. Like, but when they leave my sight, like I really don't think about it unless I'm recalling it right now. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does seem to take off some real estate. Uh, sure. They're living rent free in your mind. <laughs> um, and even with people we love, I think we can love people and still not care sure. about everything that they think about us. Only when we put it through the filter of everything they think about us is coming from what they think about themselves. Mm-hmm. And that makes it easier to just accept it and not have to defend yourself or even want to defend yeah. yourself. I love that. Yeah, it's like, that's that's a great way of putting it. So someone you know pays you an insult and you can take that insult and then you could ask yourself how you feel about yourself. And if you feel good about yourself, it's okay to like let that insult go. Yeah. yeah, if someone comes up to you and says, Ryan, I hate your Toyota Corolla, right. that says much more about them than it does about you or your car. Mm-hmm. And the same can be true for your wardrobe. It can be true for anything else in your life. It, maybe it's a, if it's someone you trust and respect, it's, it, it might make time to, it might, might be important to make time to accept that feedback and then process it. But if it's a random stranger, we can't process every bit of, of feedback mm-hmm. or criticism. We'd just be dealing with it all day. Yeah. Susanna in Charlotte, North Carolina has a question. So I recently started my journey into minimalism, and I went through what I call my first round of getting rid of stuff. I have a huge attachment to clothes and shoes. Being a female, it's like that's something that a lot of females struggle with, especially me. So I went through the first round, which I know is probably my easiest round. And I recently came into a situation where one of the items of clothing that I got rid of I actually needed would have been perfect for a photo shoot that I was doing, and I immediately regretted getting rid of that piece of clothing. So my question to you guys is, what tips do you have that would help me get over the excuse when I get into harder rounds of letting go of things that I didn't initially want to let go of? How do I get past the excuse of, well, I needed that other piece of clothing, I should just hold on to this one. Susanna, there were a few words that stuck out to me. Um, Attachment and perfect were the two words that that really stood out. I mean, it seems, Courtney, that maybe there's a sense of regret. She's letting go of this thing and that would have been perfect for her. Um, And again, I think this goes back to language to a certain extent, but what would you tell someone like Susanna? I think you have to prove yourself right or wrong. So don't believe everything you think in this situation especially. So perhaps hide all of your stuff except for a handful of things. Try Project 333 where everything else is out of sight. Your attachment to those things, it's going to change over those three months. I remember going back to my stuff after three months and just being like, what were you thinking? Like, (laughs) what in the world? Why would you have worn this costume jewelry? Mm. Like, how was that? It costume, it's literally called costume jewelry, like right. cheap jewelry. Yeah. Uh, but I thought it had to complete the outfit. Mm-hmm. And then after three months without it, I never went back. And so it's really just learning about yourself by trying different things. Yeah. Well, one thing that stood out to me is she's like, oh, I had this outfit that would have been perfect for this photo shoot. And there are times in our in our lives where maybe we do need certain outfits. Like when you get married, you you, you want a tux, uh, or most people want a tuxedo, so they go and rent a tux. They don't own a tux for the one time that they get married. Uh-huh. So uh, if you're feeling a twinge of regret for letting go of something that you would have used only once in your life, I mean, I would challenge you to just let go and and look at that as a sunk cost because the cost of renting 
that set outfit versus owning it and taking care of it and maintaining it and cleaning it and worrying about it. Like the cost of running it is much less than all those other costs associated with owning that item, especially if it's just in case. Cause now I feel like, you know, she's looking at some of her clothes and she's like, well, maybe there's going to be another photo shoot down the road where I might need that piece of clothing. I mean, holding on to clothes just in case is, is, is not a good idea. Holding on to clothes just for when like that is, that's totally acceptable. I know, uh, Josh owns a suit, mm-hmm. um, and he has it, you know, just for one. We're going to a wedding. Uh, this this uh, Matt Devella, our director, he's getting getting married. We're going to go to his wedding, and um, like, yeah, I've got a call. I got a collared shirt that I'll wear because there are certain instances where I need to have like a button up collared shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't hold on to a tuxedo just in case. I was in a wedding two years ago. Um, I didn't go buy a tuxedo because I'm like, well, I might be in another wedding in my life at some point. Sure. Side note, mm. why do we rent tuxes and spend a ridiculous amount of money to own wedding dresses? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Yeah, there, you would think maybe there is now a, a, a wedding dress rental, although that seems to be, for some reason, I don't know why. That, why is that taboo? It would seem like it would be, though, now. Society, man. I, I mean, it's a lot of the wedding budget for most people. Is yeah. that dress. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a whole TV show around it, right? Uh Oh my gosh. Bridezilla? No. <laughs> I can't remember it. It's about the dress. But like, you know what though? I mean, say yes to the say dress. Yes to the dress. Uh, How does he know that? Because <laughs> Sean, Sean, he knows what the kids he, uh, yeah. he knows what the kids are watching these days. He's got kids. <laughs> but no, it's so true. It's uh but speaking of Bridezilla, it's like watching I've only seen that show a couple times, but like that is in essence like what I what everyone goes through emotionally when they go through a wedding and part of that whole bridezilla experience is yes like picking out the right dress and making sure you can afford it and, I mean we had someone write in um, when we first started the podcast they were like oh I'm thinking about going twenty thousand dollars into debt for my wedding thoughts mm-hmm. and it's like why would you do that to yourself right yeah yeah well, why are you gonna make your future self pay for your current self present self's indiscretions and yeah. by the number of people who ask me still how do I should I get rid of my wedding dress? How do I? Should I hold on to it? Uh-huh. That just goes to show you that nobody knows what to do with it afterwards. Yeah, right. So right. what what do you recommend when someone... Because we, we've had people ask that before. I always say, like, if it means that much, do you frame it? But, like, uh-huh. what is... So I, here's what I think is a great idea, If you, unless you just want to let it go. There are um, different organizations <clears throat> that accept wedding dresses and resell them. Mm. Uh, And I let go of my wedding dress right around the same time that I helped my mom let go of hers. And we both clipped just a little tiny square of each of our dresses out from underneath. Like Uh there's so much material you Mm -hmm. would never know. Uh, And just safety pinned it together. And I now have that little square. So if I'm gonna pass that down at some point, I can. If not, it'll be an easy thing to hold on to or let go of. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. easy. And, and one last bit of of, of advice, Susanna. Uh, those two words. Okay, let's get back to those. The the attachment and perfect. I think you want to let go of the attachment to clothing because it is just clothing. It's it's your top layer, right? It, and and the, you want to especially let go of the word perfect. That that outfit would have been perfect. Now, we need to soften the language there. It might have been ideal. It might have been appropriate, but nothing is perfect. And by the way, when you let go of, of one piece of clothing, even if it's your favorite piece of clothing, something else steps back back up and becomes your new favorite piece of clothing. Mm-hmm. Holly has a question, Ryan. What are some affordable, socially responsible clothing manufacturers? 
What are some affordable USA made brands? Well, I talked about that a little bit with uh, some of the clothes I wear, whether whether it is uh, Mission Workshop is it tends to be a go-to for me. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think we, we covered this for the <laughs> most part. Is there anything you want to add, Courtney, about sustainability? We talked about factory45.co. Yeah, I would just defer back to Shannon okay. and on that. And actually in the book, I do list a few recommendations that she made to me uh, that you might want to check out. All right, good deal. Uh, Adriana, Ryan. What are your best tips for online shopping and what to avoid? Add to cart. Yeah. I would avoid online shopping if you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, the thing that I'll, I'll often do is uh, add something to a wish list. And, and so Ryan and I have two, two rules that I think will help out with this. It's actually one rule that encompasses two. We call it the 30-30 rule. And so if, it, if something costs more than $30, I actually used this rule yesterday on something. If it, I wanted to buy something online, but it was more than $30, it was like uh, $70. Bucks. And, and so if it costs more than $30, I wait at least 30 hours to make the purchase. And if it's more than $100, I try to wait 30 days. And, and that rule helps me stave off impulse quite frequently because online shopping it does what it enables that impulse right it's so Mm. fast and easy and there's no you don't have to think it through you can just click right you don't have to say like oh just could you just hold that for me i'll come back and look at it later you can just take it immediately yeah it's crazy and especially with like the way that they track you know all the cookies these days like they are marketing specifically to you like i looked up because hamilton is going to be in town this year and i looked up hamilton tickets and i can't like i'm just getting flooded mm-hmm. with hamilton ticket offers now i'm like i so regret <laughs> like looking that up because <laughs> every five seconds just reminds me how i'm not going to spend four hundred dollars on a theater ticket anyway and i mean this kind of not on the same topic but on the topic of online shopping have you read the statistics about online drunk shopping oh i don't know the figures but it's horrifying yeah 76 percent of americans have purchased something while inebriated within the last year i believe is the stat mm. uh purchased something online inebriated uh my, my argument for that, I'm actually writing it's about this in, in our next book, A Lot of People Use Things. My argument is that we're all drunk shopping uh, because we're under the influence of impulse. Mm. We're maybe not be, uh, under the influence of alcohol, but online shopping has enabled us to to get drunk with, with, with power in, in many yeah. ways because how powerful is it for you to be able to literally make one click on, I can do this and someone is going to bring me my meal and yeah. my shirt and my underwear and like and I don't I don't have to do anything. Yeah. I can just sit there on my couch and David Foster Wallace predicted this in Infinite Jest. I mean the whole book is about fatally entertaining yourself. Yeah. And, and so the the problem with the book is like people just sit there on their couches watching this fatally entertaining movie and in the process they're like you know defecating on themselves and i feel like we're one step away from that yeah dude it took everything i had to not buy the latest waterproof kindle (laughs) i was like ordering something on like you know some vitamins or something and it was like would you like to add the new waterproof kindle i'm like ooh, waterproof kindle in case i want to read in the shower in case i want to read underwater (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> my husband should get a waterproof Kindle. Like all his phones go either in the ocean, in the washing machine, in oh, wow. the pool. Like, oh, wow. does he know he can't wash the actual <laughs> phone? Like, <laughs> Uh, Margo has a question. All right. Uh, how can you keep a very small wardrobe from feeling boring or uninspiring without having a lot of accessories? We kind of, yeah. Find your excitement outside of your closet. Amen. Please, please oh. don't rely on your clothes to be the, the spotlight of your life. Dude, you know what? We have that essay uh, that you wrote, Josh. Um, food is not entertainment. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe there's something there with clothes are not entertainment. Right. I, yeah. And so so <clears throat> clothes, we often think of when we think... I don't think that a, a Project 333 or a capsule wardrobe is inherently boring, though. Mm-hmm. And I think that's no. that's a misnomer that people often place upon, thrust upon it. It is, but what's interesting, and maybe this hasn't happened to you, but I know it has happened to a lot of people, and it often used to happen to me where I would be bored with my clothes or bored with my wardrobe and that would be my trigger to go shopping right and what i discovered during my first three months of not shopping at all is i still got that bored feeling but because i didn't like satisfy it immediately i discovered what i was really bored with and it was Mm, never my closet like my closet wasn't the frustrating thing my closet wasn't the boring thing so good it was something else in my life that Mm. i never would have known about because i shut that up i squashed that feeling by shopping yeah and you know what? even if you were bored with your wardrobe no one else is bored by your wardrobe most people don't care we we had a friend uh you remember nina yao right do you remember nina she was sort of in the, the minimalist community yes, early on now i do Thank yeah now if i have to declare a winner of minimalism i think it was nina yao it, she she left everything right she left everything and like she got down to like like you know, I have seventeen items, <laughs> right. included her clothes. And yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, and anyway. her toothbrush. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and anyway, so she worked for a, I think, a pharmaceutical company, or or she worked in HR at a, at a corporation. And as an experiment, she wrote about this. It's not available anymore because she took her blog down. She's so minimal. She's so minimal. She got rid of her blog. Uh, now actually, she has only 16 you, things. You can find her at <laughs> ninayao.com. She teaches yoga now in Chicago, yeah. but uh, and she has a book called Truth. But um, what I remember about what she did with her wardrobe is she wanted to prove to herself that like no one else really cared about her wardrobe. So for an entire year, she wore the same pair of black pants and a bright red sweater. So it wasn't this sort of boring, monochrome, yeah, one person over the course of the entire year mentioned hey didn't you wear that yesterday she wore it every day for a year (laughs) and no one noticed yeah and and i think okay maybe more people would notice in your life maybe be two or three people if you did that but guess what people really don't care they're not bored Mm. by your wardrobe right it's true it's true they don't have time to think about you yeah if people stop being my friends my friend over like what i wore i would just that's just a good way of filtering people out i feel like yeah. I totally agree. Gina has a question for us. What's Courtney's favorite item in her current 33-item wardrobe? What's the favorite thing you own, Courtney? What's one thing this minimalist can't live without? <laughs> Find out after this word from our sponsor. <laughs> the best thing I own, the one best thing is nothing, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's funny because I remember when the last time you guys were in Salt Lake City and we, I think we were at the depot, 
And somebody asked, what's the one thing you guys could never live without? And my answer, because you guys are both like, nothing, nothing. And I'm like, oh, please. And I was like, my coffee machine, I could never Mm, live without it. And now it's what, it's been two years at least. And I don't have that coffee machine. I barely drink coffee anymore. (laughs) Like, there is no one thing, guys. There, It's not. I just really like having clothes on (laughs) we are so obsessed like again like we're obsessed with like the one like having this perfect one and if any if anyone ever finds the one you know let me know on twitter and then talk to me in five years and let me know if it's still the one right right it it, it is fascinating we 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 were preoccupied with we're completists in a way and i think that's really where this question comes from it's like hey i look at courtney and she's complete if i can get the same items i will also be complete and it's like well that that's not actually what makes me complete these things i'm already complete without them they augment or enhance my experience of life Mm -hmm. and everything everything that doesn't need to be there is no longer there and by the way the coffee machine that augmented or enhanced your life three years ago may not continue to add value and so you continue to question that thing and you let go of the attachment to it if it's no longer serving a purpose. Yeah, we do the same thing with like social media and business. What's the best social media platform Mm. to use or with food? Like what's the best food to eat to ensure that I'm going to be healthy? Mm -hmm. And I've been through that over and over again. It sounds like you have too, Joshua. And it keeps changing for me. Like I have to keep changing. My body is changing. My cells are changing. My brain's changing. And same for the clothes, like your bodies are changing, your lifestyles are changing. They're never going to stop, I hope. I mean, they will stop eventually. Mm -hmm. But until then, just do what suits you today. Yeah. Helen has a question. Uh, We just kind of answered this. How do you incorporate bright colors and patterns without looking like you're wearing the same thing repeatedly? I think it's a different question. Well, well, I mean, we answered with Nina's, with Nina's examples is kind of what I'm saying. Right. And so... She wore that red sweater every day. Yeah, yeah. But... So Project 333 makes room for whatever color palette you want to incorporate, right? It's not like, here are the 33 black and white and gray things you have to own. It's true. You can. You can wear whatever you want on the challenge. I think if you're wearing, like, if you have 10 Christmas sweaters in your collection, people might notice. Like, uh, they they do notice <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Sure. I don't want you to do that. I don't even want you to have one, if I'm being honest. <laughs> but... You're welcome to. And again, so what if they do notice? Let them notice. It's going to spark a really interesting conversation. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, to your point, to Nina's point, like people typically aren't, typically aren't going to notice anyway. Yeah. And I think what what's important here is to know yourself and know what you enjoy, right? Instead of saying, well, I've noticed that, uh, that you know, lavender is really in style this season. And I'm going to incorporate, well, maybe that isn't appropriate for you. Maybe you're not going to look good in there, feel good in it. And so what feels good to you? Do you have a color palette that works well for you? And that might involve uh, a bright orange or it might involve all beige. I have no idea what is appropriate for you. It's figuring out what that palette is and then reducing to the number of things, whether it's 33 or that 33 is just an arbitrary number that approximates a good amount of, of items that isn't too much, right? And and so figuring out what that number is, it, is, it might change over time. Putting that arbitrary limit on short term allows you to experiment within a within some boundaries. Yeah. yeah, and if it is a challenge, if you take it with that spirit, it's okay if the number is thirty three or thirty five or forty five. Mm-hmm. But knowing there's 
you know, three months that you're going to do this and see what you learn from it. And maybe you discover that you need half that or twice that. Yeah. Yes, indeed. All right, Rebecca. If I'm in the process of losing weight, but my closet needs to be purged now, how do I decide what to keep when nearly nothing fits currently? It sounds like this might be a distra- purging her closet might be a distraction for Rebecca. Okay, how so? Well, I mean, she's focused on losing weight, but it's like she's but she's using this distraction of her closet to not focus on the weight. Like she's asking one or the or she's asking how to do this while I'm trying to do that. And I guess what I'm really trying to say is, is Rebecca, focus on losing the weight. Courtney, we hold on to clothes a lot that don't fit us anymore. I know I did this. I, I weighed about. 80, 85 pounds more than I weigh now. And I had a lot of like double XL shirts that I just kept in bins in my basement, mm-hmm. which is a terrible plan. It's like, well, in case I gain my 80 pounds back or whatever, uh, I think aspirationally, we need to let go of the, the old self. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's represented in these old clothes, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think a lot of, I mean, women especially will have two or three sizes going on in their closet at all times to allow for weight gain or weight loss because a lot of us lose and gain weight like repetitively over the years Mm -hmm. because we never really, I don't know, figure out just how to be happy where we are. Mm -hmm. And I'm not discouraging people from losing weight, but I think we can get really obsessed with that. And so if you would just dress for what your body is today and know that most clothes allow for a little weight fluctuation, Try that and get rid of or remove, at least from your closet, the clothes that don't fit you for now, maybe for three months, maybe Mm. for 30 days, whatever you want to do to kind of see for yourself and then decide how best to move forward. But I can say for the last 10 years, I've only kept one size and the stress that that's reduced, I think, has really contributed to being healthy in other ways. Mm. Like I don't experience the highs and lows of weight gain as I did prior. I love that. So Rebecca could have a packing party for her clothes mm-hmm. and hold on to them for three months. And if she still has the weight off, then yeah, get rid of those clothes. But holding on to them forever, yeah, that's a bad plan. That's mm-hmm. a bad plan B. Um, and don't but, obsess over the size of the clothes. Like I used to do that. Like, oh my gosh, oh, I yeah. have to be in this particular size. So I have to lose weight to be in this size. And then I wouldn't buy other clothes so i would just like squeeze into clothes that really didn't fit me and i'd wonder Mm. why i was unhappy all day long another bad plan yeah Yeah. really bad plan so don't worry about the size of the clothes don't even worry about the the weight number just feel good in your body like if you're losing weight don't do it to be a specific weight kind of with the numbers with this challenge those numbers are pretty arbitrary that doctors throw at us and yeah I mean, I used to go to Weight Watchers and they were like, you should weigh between this and this and like the first this, I would have been ridiculously thin, like unhealthy, Uh no strength. (laughs) It would have been terrible. And they are still making those recommendations, Um, not Weight Watchers specifically, but people are. I'll just say people are. Uh Uh, So just be careful of those numbers and figure out what works best for you, not a specific number. Yeah. Julia has a question for us. What are the five best and the five worst major clothing companies in terms of sustainability, i.e. environmental impact, human rights, and clothing quality? I think a lot of these fast fashion brands, you it used to be, the, and, and not that long ago, really, but it used to be that, that there was a, at least some, there was some correlation between price and quality. 
Mm. That is no longer the case at all, right? No. You can go to uh, Kith and uh, or Fred Siegel's or, or what, whatever, yeah. and you can buy some cheap, cheap fast fashion that is really expensive. Really expensive, cheap fast fashion, mm. if that makes sense. Cheaply made. Yeah. And, and so, um, I mean, I don't know about those brands in particular. Uh, but yeah, I think of you know, H&M is, is an example of, now they've done some things to try to turn their act around in the last few years, but for a long time, they were known as being the company that would literally go shred their clothing and throw it in the dumpster out back to, so other people wouldn't like steal it and wear it basically. Well, and, what's interesting too is like when you do that, it's a write-off, right? But if you give it away, like you can't write off if you donate your product to charity, like you're you're not allowed to write that off. If you shred it, then you can write it off as a loss. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I don't know how how that works legally. Um, but yeah, that's that that that's a dumb law. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. yeah, but Courtney, do you know of any brands that you'd like to call out on our podcast that are doing terrible things to to the environment? No, I mean I think you just did. <laughs> you started it. I think most people kind of can gauge. W- who is and you can google it as well um just like i don't mention brands that are great i don't mention any brands overall but because it's so confusing and we never really know who's doing what and who's the best i think we really have to focus on consuming less Mm -hmm. that is the best thing that we can do the bet the one best thing that we can do (laughs) for the environment for ourselves is to consume fewer items that's going to contribute a smaller footprint. Yeah, I love that. So yeah, it's not about yeah who's doing the the most environmentally friendly production. It's who's doing the most friendly environmental consumption, and that falls on us. Yeah, quite quite often. Yeah, and, and that falls on us in in two ways. One is consuming less, as, as Courtney says. But then Ryan, also, I think what you're alluding to here is is doing. It falls on us to do some of the research up front and, and mm-hmm. saying, well. If, if a company like H&M doesn't align with your values because of what they're doing and, and their practices. And also, let's, let's also admit this. We're all hypocrites to some extent. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm open to that. I'm just trying to be less hypocritical as, as I go on. You know, yeah. the, the phone in my pocket is not made um, probably by the most uh, sustainable methods possible, right? right? And um, there's a sort of cognitive dissidence there. Yep. And and if I were to buy a new phone every month, that would be far worse than buying a new phone every three years or whatever. But still, there is some level of hypocrisy that, that is baked into that. And, and so what I'm trying to do is be not perfect, but more deliberate, making better decisions as I get more informed and as, as, as I move forward as a, as, a, as a more deliberate consumer of things. And I think that really comes from questioning. What, do I, what am I bringing in? And as I bring it in, I want to bring in fewer things, better things, things that augment my life, but also things that I'm willing to let go of if they're not serving a purpose anymore. Courtney, I want to thank you for joining us today. I want to encourage folks to check out your book. Uh, It's called Project 333. I'd also love them to check out your blog, Be More With Less. We'll put a link to both in the show notes. Is there anywhere else we should send folks? I'd love if you would share our new podcast that I started with my daughter. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. So my daughter, Bailey, who is 24, and I started a podcast last year called Soul and Wit. 
And it's on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast places. Awesome. We'll put a link to yeah. Soul Thanks. and Wit in the show notes as well. Courtney, I want to acknowledge you for yes. doing something meaningful. You inspired us all these many years ago to uh, to start simplifying our lives. I'm really grateful Amen. for that. I'm grateful you continue to add value to the community. Thank you so much for being here Thank today. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank all you, right, Love people. Use things. We'll see you next time. Bye. The Minimalists.